Greetings to you, our listeners, and welcome to the Future Africa Forum podcast. Future Africa Forum is a community of young thought leaders who convene to discuss the challenges our continent is facing and offer solutions. We bring together young thought leaders from various backgrounds to share their bipartisan thoughts on Africa's future, the Africa they wish to see and experience, and also leave behind for future generations. You can see our publications and initiatives covering eight thematic areas on our website, futureafricaforum.org. This is the first episode in our podcast in the area of agriculture. In this episode, we discuss various innovative approaches to strengthening and improving agricultural value chains in Africa. A number of agri-food value chains in the continent have been disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. This has negatively affected the agri-food systems, and as a result, there is a need to build resilience of the sector. So with this in mind, our contributors provide ground truth evidence from the experiences to support resilience of the agri-food value chains in the continent and offer practical recommendations that can be upskilled. So before we deal uh, deep into this conversation, we will start with a few introductions, beginning with myself. I am Nora Ndege, a Future Africa Forum contributor in agriculture. I am also a research fellow with the African Center for Technology Studies, supporting research and policy impact processes. So the work I'm involved at acts um, supports the development of a framework to guide investments in science, technology, and innovation for sustainable development. And this passion has really supported my ambition to pursue a PhD. I'm currently based at the Science Policy Research Unit at the University of Sussex. And this will see my research develop appropriate frameworks that can guide investments in the agricultural sector, and more particularly, uh, harnessing the role of digital technologies um, and how they can support uh, investments and development in the agricultural sector. So I'll give it back to you, our contributors, uh, to introduce yourselves. So let's start with you, uh, Brianne. Sure. Hello, all. So I'm Brianne Hackman. I live in Accra, Ghana. I'm from Ghana, and I work for the Ghana Commodity Exchange, which is a commodity trader, um, the first successful one in West Africa. And so I work there as a policy partnerships and strategy officer. I also provide business strategy support to Africa Matters Limited, which is an Africa-focused strategy consultancy based in the UK. Um, I am also the founder of the health and fitness contributor platform, which is called Best Body Africa, where we aim to share African health and wellness insights so that our insights can gain a seat at the global health and wellness table. Um, overall, I'm a foodie. I'm passionate about agriculture, trade, and everything Africa. So that's me in a nutshell. Okay. Um, thank you very much, uh, Brian. So over to you, Bamidele. Hi, so um, my, my name is, um, first of all, thank you very much for having me on this um, platform in the first place. Uh, my name is Bami Dele. Um, I, I'm British Nigerian. Um, I run a company called Welcome to Africa International. 
um, essentially we're facilitators, but then we're very much focused on the agricultural sector. Um, over the years, we've had um, a number of investment forums um, around the world in different European countries, focused on the agricultural sector. And we've also had some in Ghana and in um, Nigeria. We've had it in London, Germany, Luxembourg, Belgium. And by doing that, what we've been able to do is kind of convene um, agricultural stakeholders. So we have that on one side. On the other side, we also work um, with our clients to either provide data or facilitation. So if you're trying to um, get partners or get investors, get trade partners, we then work to um, facilitate that for you. But we're very, like I said, we're very much focused on the agricultural sector. So this kind of work as a facilitator has given us a lot of kind of on the ground insight as to um, agriculture in Nigeria and Africa at large. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for the introduction. And great to see uh, very passionate uh, Africans, you know, supporting uh, agriculture and uh, providing uh, strategies, be it business strategies in the area of agriculture. Um, so we have seen uh, currently uh, various agri-food uh, actors in the value chains experiencing difficulties, particularly in assessing uh, critical production inputs such as seeds, labor, and this has increased uh, the likelihood of higher transaction costs along the value chains. And also because of uh, the current pandemic, we have also seen actors, uh, various actors, suffering psychological vulnerabilities. And this is because they are created by the uncertainties about the future. And uh, various, um, uh, you know, policy makers, researchers have actually alluded to the fact that these disruptions may worsen uh, the food security situation in the continent. So maybe to respond to all these uh, challenges, let's first unpack to our listeners our understanding of the food systems value chain in the continent, and perhaps later uh, in the conversation, explore what innovations uh, have emerged to support uh, the resilience of these value chains. So I'll give it to you, Brian, to just open up the discussion more broadly. What is your understanding of the agri-food value chains in the continent, and what is their current uh, status? Thank you, Nora. So in general, um, just like other value chains, our agri-food chains consist of producers, consumers, goods and services processors, retailers, and on one hand of the agricultural value chain, you have your producers. So we have farmers who grow crops and raise animals. And on the other hand, we have the consumer who eats and, and drinks the final product. Um, however, in the middle of our chains, we have thousands of men and women and small and large businesses who are involved in various processes along the chain. So we have um, things like banks who provide loans. We have governments who establish the laws and policies. Um, we also have agricultural research organizations that help develop ways for farmers to more successfully participate in the chains. Um, so in general, that's just an overview of um, what our, our value chains look like. But in Africa, more recent trends have shown a shift towards, I guess, food supply chains from being local and fragmented to more geographically longer. 
So once before, smallholders used to engage in subsistence farming. However, now the end product of their farming is available in supermarkets globally. So um, in, in a more pre-COVID era, we've seen our to include more international exporting. Um, however, since COVID-19, we've only seen evidence on food supply chains. So, for example, with farm labor, with processing, with transport and logistics being impacted, they've also been affected by shifting demand. Um, in Ghana, for example, we have many farmers who, during the COVID-19 pandemic, reverted back to subsistence farming, um, as many of them weren't able to provide or to find inputs for their farming to meet the demand. So um, a lot of disruptions have happened as a result of COVID-19, um, particularly um, due to lockdown labor across um, various businesses and, and farms across the continent. So um, the pandemic has definitely caused stress on agriculture agri value chains on the continent. So um, I, I guess it's good to say it's kind of exposed the fragility of um, our value chain. Or, okay, uh, thank you for expounding on that. Um, so perhaps, uh, Bamidele, would you sort of want to build on what Brian has said and uh, just expound on the role of the various actors that you have seen uh, and how have the different actors sort of uh, tried to mitigate uh, the challenges uh, posited by the pandemic? Um one of the biggest um, challenges or one of the biggest hindrance that we noticed from the pandemic was that of lack of movement. There was a curfew um, in, there was complete lockdown in Nigeria and there was a curfew as well. So what that meant is that um, the different grains and the different agricultural produce wasn't able to move from one end to another end. And this again, where the government had to then come involved, come, come, come get involved and then um, introduced policies or short-term policies that made um, anyone within the agricultural sector exempt from um, from the lockdown. Okay, but then it wasn't as quick as it should have been, but then it happened eventually. Okay, and some of this had um, some type of issue um, with regards to the um, prices. So I would say the biggest, the biggest, um, the biggest, um, I guess, flaw or consequence of the COVID would have been probably movement. And then of course, we're not able to import as much as, as we normally would. But in a way, in a way, that is good because then it means that indirectly, we're more concerned about production in our own country and increasing production. Uh, okay. Um, thank you very much for highlighting uh, both you know, the losses and the gains. Uh, that have happened. Just to sort of uh, follow follow on that, uh, maybe Brian, do you have also some examples in terms of the losses or the gains that uh, were experienced uh, in these uh, value chains? So, any practical examples and experiences from um, Ghana? Yes. So, for um, one person, almost personal experience, I can throughout is with um, our smallholder farmers who normally trade with the Ghana Commodity Exchange. So what we found is that a lot of them were not making deposits into our warehouses because, first of all, there was, there was a general fear when 
COVID-19 came about, you know, there was a lot of panic about um, the disease and what, the, what it meant. Luckily, our government were able to impose lockdowns quite early, which on one hand was good because it was able to contain the virus. But on the other hand, it inhibited the movement of um, various goods along the value chain. So, for example, it affected the ability of farmers to access inputs. And um, I guess lockdowns in larger cities such as maybe Kumasi, which um, in the greater Kumasi area, a lot of farmers participate in um, agriculture. Um, their farmers there weren't depositing into our garden commodity exchange warehouses. And so as a result, that impacted our trade, where we had buyers who weren't able to purchase through the exchange. And obviously, it, and, and clearly it's affected the farmers who have to then revert back to subsistence farming. So that's one negative impact that has come about. However, it has revealed to us the importance of Dating, um challenges that most of the farmers may face. Um, I know in other countries, there have been a lot of loans um, and credits um, to small businesses um, along the value chains to help them increase their, their exports of high-value crops such as nuts and horticulture. I think there was one, um, I think it was the International Development Association provided about $150 million credit to mitigate this for farmers. Um, and so it has revealed the fact that there is a need for financing along those value chains, which has long existed, but even more so to protect against um, threats such as a pandemic or any other threats that may happen in the future. So on one hand, it's, been, it's, had, an, it's had a negative impact, but on the other hand, it's revealed areas in which um, support is needed. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, we're going to find some responses towards these challenges in the near future. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for highlighting, you know, that uh, very, very good um, ideas around uh, responses. And from what I get is that there's been proper, you know, responses that are actually targeted towards addressing uh, proper uh, uh, policy processes. For example, what Bamidele highlighted is uh, that the government has gotten involved in uh, policies, and what you have also highlighted is uh, financing along the value chains, and this has also targeted, uh, 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 you know, the SMEs. So perhaps to just follow up on that, um, because that's what you have highlighted is more on the policy processes. So I'd, I'd sort of want to hear your perspectives around uh, what other innovative approaches or methods have actually come out of uh, some of these interventions or some of these um, ways to support more, you know, more poor. What innovations have actually happened during this particular time, particularly targeted and focused towards the uh, agri-food uh, value chain? So I could just... Uh, start with you, Bamidele, and then uh, Brian, you could also just uh, provide other more examples. Okay, so um, I think that I think um, aside from COVID, there's been a number of different kind of interventions, different policies um, that has been uh, introduced. Okay, since for for a while here in Nigeria, um, I'll start with um, technology. Okay. Um, and there's been a number of different agricultural apps 
And what they do is provide information to the farmers to let them know um, what the environment is going to be like, the prices as well. And then in be- going beyond that, for companies or um, commodities exchanges that work with smallholders, what we've been able to see is technology has really, really increased um, transparency in that regard as well. Um, another thing that's trying to that they're trying to kind of um, implement more is that of warehouse receipts bill. So as at now, it's it's a good idea and it's um it's it's something that's being explored. It hasn't yet been fully um, implemented and it's not fully um, it's not across all the states. But essentially, what the um, in, um, warehouse warehouse receipts does is provide an alternative form of finance where um, farmers can store their produce and then get um, a warehouse receipt of which, of which they can then use a le- as a legal tender in the bank. So again, what that has done has created an alternative um, form of fi- finance. So I would say, um, like I said, um, the warehouse finance bill and then the technology is something that technology, when it comes to and profiling farmers and providing farmers with information and prices. That's something that I feel has definitely um, advanced the sector and created more transparency. Great. Um, we could have thoughts from you, Brian. Yeah, sure. Um, no, I definitely want to co-sign what Bamidele said. Um, similarly in Ghana, um, the warehouse receipt financing is something that has been... Um, emphasize more in recent years so prior to the pandemic then the commodity exchange actually um took part in their first issuance of the warehouse receipt so um like Bamidele said you know you are farmers able to use that warehouse receipts um as collateral which then they've been able to use to purchase inputs for the next season so it's able to help um their production um so i think providing whereby you are increasing the liquidity of farmers as well as um, this credit solution which will help them to um, also benefit not only their ability to sell but also their the um, help them produce higher yields and higher quality yields um, so that they're able to get better prices and also a better market for their produce is also very very important and I feel um, that even before the pandemic, and but especially now as a result of the pandemic, a lot of people can benefit from warehouse receipt financing. Um, in addition, I also agree with venture capital funding. So not just for smallholder farmers, but also for other agribusinesses along the value chain. So we have a lot of manufacturers, a lot of processors who also need financing. And that's also been a huge problem in Ghana, you know, providing liquidity for um, buyers who may be buying these um, agricultural products. So um, injecting funding um, to enhance liquidity is something that um, uh, through venture capital funding or warehouse receipt financing, um, I feel those are two approaches that um, should be more widely adopted. Yeah, I think um, brilliant. I think very, very good uh, innovative ways coming to support farmers. great things happening around uh, more transparency as you've highlighted and i think um, from where i see it i see this as as very you know key ideas key innovations that are really uh, that are really emerging and this need that uh, some of these can be mainstreamed or strengthened 
And so perhaps moving forward uh, and looking ahead and for the continent to really prepare to deal with all these multiple risks and to improve its resilience. So what, what do we need to do to sort of uh, prepare for the multiple risks? We know issues like climate change are still unaddressed. These disasters will always be there, fires, floods, all these types of you know, multiple risks are still within our midst. So what is it that we need to do uh, for governments, for uh, researchers, for young thought leaders to prepare for you know, greater resilience even post uh, the pandemic? So what, what is it that we need to do uh, looking ahead? I would start with you, Brian. Sure. Um, when it comes to resilience, um, I think for me, I... I feel like you can't really overemphasize the importance of policy and regulation. Um, I don't know whether it's the case in other in other African countries, but it's funny that in Ghana, a lot of people don't take regulations um, seriously unless there's a government mandate. So we have a lot of actors who are in our agricultural value chains, a lot of um, middlemen, a lot of underground businesses. However, when you have a government mandate to say, okay, for example, we are only going to trade cashew through the exchange are only going to trade um, um, another commodity in a certain way, that's when people come together to actually ensure that these processes are taking place. But beyond policy, I feel that there needs to be implementations um, just to ensure that those lower down in value chains are able to benefit from you know, se- secure transaction laws and regulation from financial services sector um, and also just to ensure favorable deals for smallholder farmers. So I feel like providing a safe regulatory environment for us to operate um, can therefore increase the potential of individuals on the continent to build resilience. So I'm, I'm definitely up for um, a strong policy and regulatory environment. Yeah, so I think for me, one of the biggest things that we want to be thinking about is definitely more investments and um, alternative forms of finance particularly in the area of um, value addition, one of the things that we need to do more in Africa is processing and turning um, the raw goods into finished material. So we do, we do, we, we have, we import a whole lot of finished goods and we also experience a whole lot of um, food wastage. So one of the things I feel that needs to be co- a coordinated um, effort is really, really attracting and, and promoting investments into um, processing industries so that we're able to create more finished goods. So in the event of any type of crisis, at least we know we have, we can process the food that we have and we don't have, we're not going to be strained by um, lack of imports due to whatever crisis might be going on at that point in time. So that, that's something that I really feel um, sh- more attention should be paid on. Yes, we need to, you know, improve on our production, but also we also need to start processing. And by doing all, all of these things, we're also creating more jobs as well. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for highlighting, you know, the, the need to also delve deep and rethink our production uh, systems. And this is uh, more towards, uh, you know, value addition. And um, I think COVID-19 really inter interrupted our supply chain and it made the African uh, leaders uh, and the various stakeholders rethink that actually 
things cannot <laughs> go this way. So uh, it, it's actually a wake-up call for us to rethink and refine our entire value chain from production to all the way to processing to marketing and actually how we sort of organize ourselves so that whatever we produce, we actually consume it and it actually fits, you know, fits and uh, carries that value that uh, uh, people would want to see. So thank you for highlighting all these uh, ideas in terms of, uh, you know, policy processes and actually rethinking our entire uh, supply chain uh, model. So to just uh, give our listeners a very tangible and concrete uh, output from our discussions. Um, so perhaps open it up just to emphasize that one key takeaway message or one key practical recommendation on how uh, we can strengthen and improve resilience in our value chain. So uh, let's open it up you Bamidele? Yeah, so I think I think um there's a lot of um gaps in the ecosystem. And I think having some form of um strengthened ecosystem, maybe in and if this ecosystem is strengthened with the use of IT, so that everyone knows where everyone else is, their different um stakeholder partners, so to say, where they so that you know there's a coordinated effort on the value chain. So I think um, strengthening our ecosystems is something that is really, really important. Um, beyond that, um, I would also say infrastructure, because we can talk about, you know, strengthening the ecosystems, but if the infrastructure to get to one place or the other isn't, um, isn't there, then it kind of causes um, hindrances. Um, we we'll probably also need to look more at um, cold food storage and how we can have more stories so that we can avoid um, waste, because we, we do waste a lot of um, produce. So those would be some of my contributions in that regard. Great, thank you very much. Um, Rian? So I think for me, the three main things, the first is transparency. So for example, in, um, in Ghana, there's a lack of transparency of prices. So for example, in tomatoes um, in the North cost a lot different from tomatoes in the South. So there are lots of price differenti differentiation. Um, and I feel that there, there needs to be more transparency regarding um, how, um, re regarding pricing, which also leads on to the importance of standardization. So not just in terms of pricing, but also in terms of quality. So there needs to be standardized um, quality for our produce, so for our crops, for our um, vegetables, for our fruits, because a lot of what we produce um, does not end up meeting reaching the end markets because we have quite high post-harvest losses in Ghana and all across Africa. So there needs to be standardization of, of um, policies, sorry, of um, the quality of crops just to ensure that they are uh, meeting the required standards locally and nationally. And then also digitalization. So focusing on e-solutions, e-trading, um, market solutions that I feel like those will definitely help the benefits and contribute towards building resilience along all processes and um, components of the value chains. All right, thank you very much for highlighting uh, those key takeaway messages to our listeners. So for me, I think the parting shots from this conversation is that uh, they still need to uh, rethink uh, 
the processes uh, of our value chains and all the way from production to uh, how the products reach the end users. And from what our uh, contributors have highlighted, um, there are a number of innovations that have actually emerged and are emerging, particularly the use of digital technologies and digital in the sense that they're both technologically enhanced and also uh, through you know, e-technologies uh, from what has been highlighted around e-solutions, could be e-commerce, e-extension services. I think there's really uh, an opportunity to sort of uh, experiment with a number of digital technologies and e-solutions. Uh, uh, and perhaps, uh, bring around policies that are also very uh, inclusive, as we have seen, policies that support uh, financing models, financial solutions, and because these policies at the end of it all are actually also um, supporting greater transparencies, supporting values within the systems, and all these things I think needs to really be harnessed uh, to support our greater resilience now and even post uh, uh, the pandemic. So thank you very much, and I think the conversation uh, still continues and hopefully we'll be able to get more perspectives uh, again in, in our next episode. Um, thank you very much for joining in to our listeners. Thank you, uh, Brian and Pamitele, for your contributions.